Dave's no good, very bad week. GDPR two years on, are we better off? And industrial IoT, are big failures on the horizon? These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Mobile-only banking app Dave has suffered a data breach that exposed personal details for at least 3 million users. But it says no account information was exposed and that there are no signs that the stolen information has resulted in any fraud. With more on the story, here's ISMG's Executive Editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz. Everyone, spare a thought for Dave. He's had a tough week. Well, at least the Dave based in Los Angeles, that is the smartphone banking startup, which was valued last year at $1 billion. Unfortunately for Dave and Dave's customers, a crime gang known as Shiny Hunters, which sells stolen data, found its way onto Dave's systems. On Saturday, Dave said it had been breached. At least 3 million customers' names, emails, birthdates, physical addresses, and phone numbers were exposed. Thankfully, no account or payment card details were exposed, and there are no signs of any resulting fraud. Now, I've reached out to Dave for answers to numerous questions, including when the breach began and how exactly it happened. But so far, Dave hasn't been returning my calls. Regardless, it's an unfortunate series of events for Dave, which is short for David and Goliath, as in the scrappy banking startup that's been going to battle with the big players. Obviously, the introduction of Shiny Hunters is a twist on that classic tale. But the data brokers, who make money from selling stolen data to fraudsters, are a well-known protagonist. In recent days, they've been on a tear, advertising not just Dave data, but also 22 million records stolen from promo.com, a promotional video creation site which says it was breached on July 21st. In recent days, Shiny Hunters has also advertised more than 20 million additional records for sale, including 6 million records each for appen.com and sentbird.com. What might seem funny is that for each breached organization, the entire dump of their stolen data is being sold for only about $2.30 per organization on cybercrime forums. Obviously, this doesn't seem like a viable business model. So what's up? Are shiny hunters dumping all their records before they hunt for fresh ones? Maybe they're about to take a summer vacation. Security firm Xerofox has told me that the fire sale is more likely, a sign that Shiny Hunters has already privately sold this data multiple times over, and one of those customers has started to resell it, thus undercutting Shiny Hunters. When this sort of thing happens, Xerofox says it's not uncommon for criminal data brokers, such as Shiny Hunters, to publicly dump the played out data as a ploy to build hype for their brand name. Cybercrime marketing moves aside, how did Dave get hacked? So Dave has blamed a third-party analytics provider called Waydev that it formerly used, which in early July confirmed that it was breached from June 10th to July 2nd, and that attackers may have cloned repositories for any of its customers that connected to the service via GitHub OAuth. OAuth refers to an access token, which allows one application to interface with another. In the case of Waydev, this would have given Waydev's analytics software access to Dave's infrastructure. Dave hasn't told me when its relationship with Waydev ended. 
Obviously, if it was before WayDev suffered the breach, then Dave should have canceled the OAuth token. It may have neglected to do so. Despite Dave blaming WayDev, another possibility is that Dave got fished. In a post to a cybercrime forum, a user called Sheep says that shiny hunters searched for developers who worked for Dave using LinkedIn and other sites, and then sent these developers phishing emails that looked like they were sent from GitHub, and which they used to steal the developer's credentials and access the Dave database. So from Dave's misfortunes come at least two lessons. First, watch for GitHub-themed phishing campaigns. Second, Keep track of all third-party providers that have direct access to your systems. If you stop working with them, disconnect their access. Oh, and finally, don't forget to spare a thought for Dave. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Now that it's been two years since enforcement of the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, are citizens and businesses better off? That's one of the questions that ISMG's Director of Productions, Anna Delaney, asked a panel of attorneys this week on the lessons learned so far and the compliance gaps that still need to be addressed. So, are we better off? Here's Jonathan Armstrong, a lawyer with Cordry in London and an expert on data protection and data security law. I think in some respects we are. I think that in some respects GDPR has lived up to the hype, but in others it hasn't. It's been presented in some respects as a revolution in data subjects' rights. I think it was more of an evolution rather than a revolution. There aren't that many rights that are new under GDPR, and the main one, the right of subject access, has been extended rather than developed from scratch. But I think GDPR has raised awareness, and it's also removed some barriers to exercising those rights. And in some respects, I think that the Commission is correct in that it's made us have more of a debate, not only in Europe, but also worldwide. And there are many countries in the world that are relatively new to privacy as a result of GDPR, or more accurately, because they've been trying to get an adequacy decision from the Commission to enable the the safe sharing of data with the EU. So I would say it's a qualified success. There are some areas where the Commission have been, in my view, frankly wrong. You know, this strange notion that GDPR was somehow cost neutral for businesses has been wrong. And that balance that that, that the early uh, promulgators of GDPR promised, that somehow this would be better for business and better for individuals and completely cost neutral, has, to use an old English word, proven to be complete poppycock. You know, there are few benefits to businesses. This promised, you know, single road where data protection law would be the same across the EU, therefore saving businesses millions, has proved to be nonsense. We have had some uniformity uh, uh, from GDPR, but differing regulators have enforced things in different ways 
and most countries in the EU have taken the opportunity to graft on additional laws on the side of GDPR to reflect the laws that they'd had already, or in some cases like the UK, to introduce new criminal offences at the same time. So it's been a good deal, I think, in general for citizens, maybe not such a good deal or not the promised deal for corporations. And finally, connected devices are becoming increasingly commonplace in industrial settings. But with the ability to remotely monitor and control these devices comes the ability for malicious hacking and worse. While thus far IIoT has remained relatively secure, there could be large-scale issues on the horizon. With more, is ISMG's Managing Editor Security and Technology, Jeremy Cook. Could large-scale industrial Internet of Things failures be on the horizon? So far, there have been no large-scale breakdowns in the IIoT, but that may not hold true in the future, according to a new report from the Lloyd's Register Foundation. The foundation is a charity funded by the centuries-old shipping register. The review is the product of a collaboration involving more than 110 cybersecurity experts. Three workshops were held to gather input in Singapore, Oxford, and San Francisco between last October and February. The review centers on the use of the IIoT in critical infrastructure, including energy, transport, manufacturing, and the built environment such as cities. Experts who contributed to the report write that the rapid pace of change in the IIoT means organizations will have to pay close attention to security. Existing security standards and guidelines are still relevant for the IIoT at a conceptual level, but at a practical level, the ability to deliver those capabilities and the way in which they must be delivered are very different. Some capabilities don't scale or aren't interoperable. The review says some are not technically feasible or have not been tested or do not exist yet. The review says, quote, we're at a tipping point for recovery as manual fallback becomes infeasible for complicated systems of systems and mesh environments. The approach to recovery will need to change. There are plenty of examples of how the IIoT has been exploited so far. One is Stuxnet, the worm that around 2010 tampered with programmable logic controllers within Iran's uranium refinement centrifuges. Israel and the U.S. developed the worm to hamper Iran's nuclear weapons program. In December 2015, Russian hackers were suspected of the so-called black energy attacks against Ukraine's power grid. The malware opened up access to energy company networks, allowing attackers to open circuit breakers which cut the power. No one was injured, but the attacks caused alarm over the security of the IIoT. And more recently, the ECANS ransomware has emerged, which specifically targets industrial control systems. The review advocates a key principle when planning for IIoT risk. Assume it's going to fail at some point. Also, accommodate the potential for insider attacks within systems and supply chains. There's plenty of useful guidance on IIoT security, including standards, risk practices, and frameworks, the review says. Those include ones from the Industrial Internet Consortium, ENISA, the IoT Security Institute, and NIST. IIoT will be an attractive area for attackers, so organizations should take notice that the risks are growing and failures are likely. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time. Bye.